Hello, hello. Welcome back to Under Further Review. Today is Tuesday, March 19th, and it is the official first day of March Madness. Let's go. Woo. Got our first four games tonight. Uh, it's going to be a good one. Belmont and Temple tonight. It's going to be a great game. A lot of really good stuff going on. First and foremost, we want to thank University Pulse Radio for hosting our podcast as always. They are amazing. They are awesome. We cannot give them enough love. If you haven't already, make sure to check out all of our other podcasts. Yesterday, we had our Monday message go live. It was on expectations. Some really good stuff out there. Definitely worth a listen. Uh, last week, we put up a podcast about NFL free agency, a rundown of that. And today is going to be your rundown on March Madness. All of the keys to picking a perfect bracket as well as some of the keys to watch for as a fan and your viewing entertainment. It's going to be really good. Tyler and I have a really good conversation about getting the perfect bracket. And then uh, Nick and I have a really good conversation about some of the individual things to watch for. It's going to be a really good show. Excited for you to hear it. But first, let's play that music. All right, I'm your host, Nathan Carroll. I'm here with our co-host and producer, Tyler Carroll. We're going to help you run through how to how to get a perfect bracket, or if not, what? What? What are you laughing at me about? You said Tyler Carroll. Oh, Tyler Mathern. Tyler Carroll would be my brother. Shout out to you, Tyler. Tyler Mathern. Uh, yeah, Tyler Carroll's not our co-host, just my brother. Um, we're going to help you run through getting a winning bracket in your bracket pool. And there's a few things. We want to look at history. We want to look at the analytics to figuring out the right way to do this because there is a right way to do this. And we want to make sure that you are doing it the right way. Uh, so first and foremost, you need to identify the bracket size that you're in or the pool size that you're in. Uh, something to keep in mind is if, you, if you're in a pool with 100, 200 people, you need to be able to hit a lot of the upsets and a lot of the sweet 16 seeds or sweet 16 teams that you don't have to if you're in a 10 team pool. So one thing we want to emphasize is this is a guide for if you're in a larger bracket pool that seems impossible to win. If you're in a bracket pool with 10, 15, 20 people, the key to victory is pretty simple. Get the winning team. If you do that, you're more than likely going to win your pool. And if three or four people pick the winning team, then get the other winning or the, the other finalist. And our pro tip for that is pick a one seed to win it all. This is our first tool for you to take note. And this is someone everyone can use. One seeds have won, I believe it's 18 of the last 20 NCAA tournaments. And they've won almost 60% since the, the bracket expanded. One seeds overwhelmingly win the tournament. So you're looking at Duke, you're looking at Virginia, North Carolina, and Gonzaga. Pick one of those four teams, and if you get multiple entries, put in four entries, and in each one you have one of those four winnings. Simple as that. Uh, that's going to, if you're in a small pool, figure out which one of those four teams is yours to ride with. Now, we'll take it a little bit of a step further even. Uh, I have personally found that the keys to making a deep run in March Madness are veteran guard play and coaching. I feel like those two things, you think back of those UConn teams that had Jim Calhoun and Kemba Walker. You think back to that uh, 
Kentucky team that made the Final Four to the championship game with Andrew and Aaron Harrison after they had come back for a year. And you have John Calipari, who's obviously fantastic. Uh, you go back even further, that Wichita State team that made it to the Final Four. They had Fred Van Vliet, they had Ron Baker, and they had a great coach in Greg Marshall. You look back even a couple of years ago when Gonzaga and North Carolina played each other. You know, Gonzaga has Mark Few, who is obviously a fantastic head coach, and North Carolina has Roy Williams, and that team was led by Joel Berry, and Gonzaga was led by uh, Josh Perkins. Nigel Williams-Goss was on that team. So that is something that I always like to look for. Historically, teams that are really young at their guard position or have an inexperienced coach don't tend to make deep runs. Now, for me, and this is going to surprise a lot of people, I wouldn't take Duke to win it all for that reason. This team is really, really young, and we've seen it before, most notably in their game against Gonzaga during the Maui Invitational. You could tell that this team was young and that their guards just didn't have the big game experience. And that came out again during the ACC tournament when R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish were pretty much no-shows in that North Carolina game. And if it wasn't for Zion having 32 points or whatever it was, essentially a million points where he shot 30,000 for 30,000, they don't win that game. So I don't like Duke this year because all it's going to take is a team like Mississippi State, Virginia Tech, whoever it is, at some point Zion is either going to have a game where he's struggling or he's going to have a game where he's in foul trouble. And if one of those two things happen, it's going to be an R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish's shoulder. I don't know if they can do it. Same with Trey Jones. I don't know if I trust Trey Jones in a big moment to be able to create the shot that they need. Because if it comes down to a last-second shot, it's tough to try to play through your bigs. This is an issue that my personal favorite team, Gonzaga, had when they were in the Sweet 16 against Syracuse, I want to say in 2014, they needed a shot at the end of the game to tie it. Their best player was DeMontis Sabonis, and they tried to play through him. DeMontis Sabonis got hacked. It should have been a foul. Refs don't make that call. Game over. You need to be able to have elite guard play and veteran guard play so that they can get you above in those big moments. Great example, Loyola Chicago last year. How many times did you see that snaky little white guy hit buzzer beaters for him to put him into the next round? That's all guard play right there. So you don't want to rely on the bigs. So for me personally, Virginia has elite guard play. Kyle Guy is insanely talented. They have really good, really good veteran guard play. I know Kobe White is only a freshman at North Carolina. He has enough veterans around him that I'm not as concerned as I am for Duke about the youth that they have at their guard play. And then I do really like Gonzaga. Josh Perkins, obviously a senior. Zach Norvell, uh, he's been here before, hit a bunch of big shots for Gonzaga last year in their tournament run. So if you're just if you're in a small pool, really not a whole lot else matters except you got to get two Final Four teams right and you have to get the champion right. And for me personally, I suggest to you Gonzaga, North Carolina, Virginia. Pick one of those three teams as your champion. But let's get into let's get into some of the the bigger pools. Let's say in your pool of 7,500, 200 people, where it really does come down to every pick counts because just getting the winner isn't enough. You have to get the winner first and foremost, but you have to get a lot of the other little things right. Let's start with the one seeds. Take them. I know Virginia lost last year to UMBC. Do not take Gardner-Webb. UM, this Virginia team, first and foremost, is so much better than they were last year. Last year, according to Ken Palm, when they did lose in the first round, they were 30th in adjusted offensive efficiency. Pretty good. 
This year, they're second in the entire country. This Virginia team is so much better offensively than they were last year. It's a much better team. They have more NBA talent. They're not, it's not going to happen again. I don't see it happening. I don't think any of these 16 seeds beat a one seed. Actually, if, if I can, the one I could see maybe happening is Iona over UNC. Iona has some experience, some history in the tournament. But that being said, don't pick it. Two seeds, same thing. Take Michigan, take Kentucky, take Tennessee, take Michigan State. Don't get cute with it. The reality is, even if you pick a 15 seed, a 15 seed has only ever made the Sweet 16 once. And here, here's, here's something for you. If you want to win your pool, it's about getting the Sweet 16 seeds right. Because if you're the guy who takes, I don't know, let's say that you take that 15 seed to win, even if that happens and you're right, cool, that 15 seed isn't going to make it to the Sweet 16 is what history tells us. So even if that 15 seed does win, sure, you miss out on your two seed, but everyone else is going to miss out on it too. And as long as you can keep that your Sweet 16 teams alive, you're going to be all right. Now, another, another tip here, and we're going off of history. We, we want to go off of history and the analytics on this show. And every single season since they introduced the first four, a first four team has made at one at least one round of 64 game and and every year except one which i believe is 2012 a first four team has made it to the sweet 16 so this year you're looking at arizona state and st john's who play tomorrow night and tonight you've got belmont and temple you got to take one of those teams to the sweet 16 or at the very least to make that 11 over six ups upset personally the winner of Arizona State and St. John's plays Buffalo. I like Buffalo a lot. I think Buffalo is a really talented team, and I don't really like Arizona State or St. John's. That being said, I don't love Maryland. I don't know how talented Maryland really is. They're 24th in Ken Palm, which is fairly good, but I think Ken Palm this year isn't going to be as good of an indicator as most years because there was so much top-heavy scheduling amongst, uh, amongst the top-tier schools. I like Belmont a lot. I think Belmont's going to beat Temple, and I think they're going to beat Maryland. And if you're in a big pool, I would even take Belmont. And the good news is, if you turn it in early, you can choose Belmont or Temple. Take the winner of that game all the way to the Sweet 16. LSU, with their coaching change they had going on, they lost the the one game that they, they had with Javante Smart back in there against Florida. The, the interim coaching situation there is a mess. I don't know if LSU will beat Yale. I don't think LSU makes a Sweet 16 run. I certainly don't think they make it to the Elite Eight. Take Belmont to the Sweet 16. That's my advice for you. And you might be saying, oh, why would I take an 11 seed to the, to the Sweet 16? A double-digit seed has made it to the Sweet 16 in each of the last 11 years. That's right, 11 years straight we've had a double digit team make it to the sweet 16 it's going to happen it'll be an 11 seed a 12 seed a 10 seed one of them's going to make the sweet 16 i really like belmont to be that team to do it one of the other trendy upset spots that everyone always talks about is the 512 matchup and this is a number that's going to be thrown around a lot but since they expanded in 1985 only five times has a 12 not beaten a five and the win percentage for uh, 12 seeds is, and I'll have to double check this, but I believe it's like 41%. 
So it happens almost 50-50. This year in particular, take a couple of 12 seeds. I don't think the five seeds are that strong. I look in particular at Mississippi State. I don't think they're a great basketball team. Liberty, to me, I don't love Liberty as much as I love some of the other 12 seeds, but I don't trust Mississippi State. I think Oregon is going to beat Wisconsin. That's when I have locked in on my bracket. Wisconsin has been a weird up-and-down team all season long. Uh, if you, I, I love Ken Palm personally, so I always go to them. Wisconsin is 52nd in adjusted offense. Wisconsin has a great defense. Don't get me wrong. But Wisconsin has a poor adjusted offense. And one of the things we've seen in recent years is teams who are great defensively but struggle offensively are the teams that contend to be upset. We look at last year, Virginia. Not a great offensive team, great defensive team, the best defensive team in the country, but not a great offensive team. They lose in the first round to UMBC, who is an overachieving, more offensive team. Uh, you look at Cincinnati, who was a two-seed last year. They were a great defense, the number two defense in the country, according to Ken Palm. Not a great offensive team. Sure enough, they get upset by Nevada, who was a team who could go and get buckets. Wisconsin is not a great offensive team, and Oregon – Oregon is not a great offensive team as well, but they're just as good defensively. So this is a game, Oregon-Wisconsin, I personally believe it's going to be low scoring. It's going to be a game that's in the 50s or 60s. It's going to be tight. And Oregon has playmakers that can get them to win in this game towards the end. Oregon's, Oregon's seed is a little bit misleading because they struggled early in the season. Bull Bull got hurt, and they had to figure out how to deal with their, their roster and figure out the rotations. But by the end of the year, man, did this team really start to come on? The Oregon Ducks are, I have them locked in to beat Wisconsin. I don't trust Wisconsin. This isn't the same Wisconsin teams that we've had in the past. Buddy Ryan, not Buddy Ryan, I, I don't remember his name, but they, they got a new coach who's come in since they made their final four runs in the, in the mid-2000s. And again, it's both teams are good defensively. Neither is great on offense. Peyton Pritchard, he's the point guard for the Oregon Ducks. He's really, really talented, and I think when they need buckets late in games, Oregon's going to get him the win. Now, between our other 5-12s, we've got Marquette and Murray State, which is going to be an absolute battle. Uh, Marquette with Marcus Howard and Murray State with John Morant, two great guards. John Morant, if he's not the best, he's the second-best basketball player in this tournament. Yes, I know Zion Williamson is the thing. Watch John Morant. This kid is insane. Murray State doesn't have a lot of talent outside of John Morant, but they play good defense, and they let John Morant go and get buckets. If John Morant can average 30 a game like he did during the OVC tournament, Murray State has a chance to make a run. On the other side in the 5-12, Auburn's a team that's really weird to me, and I've, I've been telling this to people for the last two weeks. They have two really good guards over there at Auburn, and Bruce Pearl is playing a style of basketball that is really different than a lot of teams in the NCAA are playing. He's kind of adapted this NCAA style or excuse me, NBA style of we're just going to take a bunch of threes. But Jared Harper is really, really, really talented. He's short. He's not an NBA type guy, but he is really talented and he hits a lot of big shots. If you watch him in the SEC tournament, just big shot after big shot for the Auburn Tigers. That being said, they live and they die by the three. This is a team that if they make it to the final four, I'm not shocked because they've got the guard play. They've got Bruce Pearl, who's a really great head coach. But 
They live on three-pointers. And all it takes is one game where they aren't hitting and a team like New Mexico State, who has a, bun- a bunch of veterans, they've been here before, they know what they're doing. I have no clue what to do with Auburn and New Mexico State. I'll say this, though. I think whoever does win that game makes the Sweet 16. Kansas has been falling apart, and I don't trust Northeastern that much. So make sure to pick two of those 5-12 matchups. I don't know which ones you want to pick. I would absolutely take Oregon, and then between Mississippi State, Marquette Murray State, and Auburn New Mexico State, figure out which one works for you and take it. Now, going into some of the other spots, the 8-9 matchup isn't super important unless you're going to take the 8 or the 9 to the Sweet 16. And this is huge. Only four times since they expanded to 1985 have all the one seeds made it to the Elite Eight. One of the one seeds is going to get knocked out earlier. And more than likely, one of these one seeds is going to get knocked out in the second round. Now, I think I think it's a little bit different of a year. I think these one seeds are really, really talented. But the one team I would watch, I really like the VCU Rams this year. I think they're going to beat UCF. I have that pick locked in. I'm not shocked if VCU upsets Duke. Like I said, all, all you need is Zion Williamson to get in foul trouble one game. And if R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish have been super inconsistent like they have been over the last couple of months, then you find yourself in a position that they're an upset potential. I love Gonzaga. Gonzaga is looking at a second-round matchup with Syracuse, and it terrifies me. Syracuse in that 2-3 zone, that length, it is built for the tournament. Every year, they struggle through the ACC, do just enough to get in, and they get into the tournament, and they make Sweet 16 and Elite 8 runs with low seeds. That 2-3 zone is built for the tournament. Similarly, then, Utah State and Washington. Utah State, (laughs) they have an inexperienced head coach, which concerns me, but they have Sam Merrill, Mountain West Player of the Year, extremely talented. If, he, if they can get through, Sam Merrill's a guy who can match up with Kobe White, and he can drop 25-30-35 and win that game for Utah State. But on the other hand, if UW wins that game, they get North Carolina. They run that same 2-3 zone that Syracuse does. All of a sudden, North Carolina, they're forced to shoot, them, they're shoot their way out of a zone. And again, these are college kids. It's not, the, it's not the NBA. That zone, if you catch someone on a day where they aren't shooting their shots well, it's trouble. And then Virginia even, I mean, Virginia has the stigma of what they did last year. Their loss against Florida State in the, uh, in the semifinals of the ACC tournament certainly doesn't help them and their case for this is a team that can make a deep run. My thing there is I don't love either Mississippi or Oklahoma. I think Mississippi will probably be Oklahoma. I like them more than I like uh, – I like Mississippi more than I like Oklahoma. But – I think you have a a situation here where all four one seeds are at risk to potentially go out in the second round. If you are in a large bracket pool with 150, 200 people, it's worth taking one of those upsets because history shows that if you want to win, you have to get your sweet 16 and your elite eight right. And you have to get it right where other people get it wrong. One of these one seeds is going to go down. And here's the thing. You don't have to pick, at which point it is, but let's say it's Virginia who goes out in the second round. As long as you're taking, let's say it's Kansas state to the, to the elite eight, instead of Virginia, you're going to be the one racking up the points there. 
where no one else in your pool is. All right, so I, I want to talk about the three seeds now. We talked about the ones and the twos. Just take the ones and the twos. Don't get cute with it. The three seeds are where things get a little bit interesting. Uh, all time, 21-14 seeds have defeated three seeds, which is about 15% of the time. So realistically, we can expect it to happen once every couple of years. The last time it happened, though, was 2016. We've had a little bit of a drought. We've gone two straight years without it. In 2016, SFA, Stephen F. Austin beat West Virginia. In 2015, we had two 14s beat a three seed. This is where I'm going to let you use your own discretion. If you feel like there's a three seed who's at risk of getting knocked off, then go for it. I would say don't choose Texas Tech. I like that team. I think they're too talented. I like Purdue. I think people give Purdue a bad rap because they do have a little bit of a history of underperforming in the tournament, but I like them in that game. The two that are worth looking at are Houston, Georgia State, and LSU, Yale. Houston is coming into the tournament limping after that loss against Cincinnati. They did not look very good. And Georgia State, they have a history of, of winning big games. They do. They've gone to the tournament before, and they've won big games. So something worth looking at there. That being said, LSU, Yale, we already talked. LSU, interim head coach. The situation there is a mess. A lot of distractions. And Ivy League schools just have a history of overperforming in the tournament. It's absurd. Harvard, uh, Harvard, Princeton, Yale all have passed either games that were way too close or passed wins in the tournament. It's a game to look at. But that's one where I'll let you use your own discretion. Now, you move on. The 4 and 13. Four seeds are upset 21% of the time. So you're looking at it's probably going to happen at least once. And again, if you're in a massive bracket pool, you can't afford to play it safe. And this is, this is when we get into picking all these upsets. If you're in a small pool, you really, like we said, only need to get the t championship winner right. But for these larger pools, if there's no difference between 60th place and 150th place, it's better to take that risk at getting a near-perfect bracket so that you can be the number one, the winner. And if you finish 150th, whatever, who cares? But if you play it safe, your ceiling is going to be about 20 because everyone else is going to do what you did except one person is going to do what you did but then just happen to pick the upsets right. So you have to be willing to take some chances. So 13 versus a 4. It's likely going to happen once. Figure out that pick for you. A lot of people, the trendy one is Kansas State UCI. I really like this Kansas State team. I think they're really, really good. The one I'm looking at is Kansas and Northeastern. Kansas is coming into this March Madness limping. This is not a very talented Kansas team. I know Bill Self is really good. I don't know what it is about this Northeastern team, but I just have a feeling about them. I'll tell you what, I've just got a feeling about them. They're a very good offensive team. That's where they make their money is on offense, which is always a recipe for an upset. You aren't gonna you aren't gonna get upsets usually with stout defense. Meanwhile, this Kansas team isn't great at either thing. They really aren't. They're Ken Palm ranked number twenty, so they're probably a little bit overseeded. I think that Northeastern has the best chance at a thirteen to knock off a four. We talked about the fives and twelves. You gotta pick your fives and twelves. Six and elevens, similarly. Make sure that you, you, you put some 6s and 11s in there. The 6-11 matchup happens 37% of the time. So it happens often. We've had at least two 
11s upset over a six in every year since 2014. And it happened three times in 2016 and three times in 2017. I would go as far as to say pick two 11s over a six and make sure one of them is a first four participant. Uh, we talked about the first four participants. The other one I like, St. Mary's and Villanova. The St. Mary's team is good. They've gotten hot as of late. The one concern that there is, though, is Villanova's playing near home in Connecticut. It's a long travel from St. Mary's from California to Connecticut. Meanwhile, Villanova, Philadelphia to Hartford, not a long trip. On the other hand, we've got Iowa State and Ohio State. I don't think this Ohio State team's very good. Iowa State playing close to home in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I would look at both of those first four matchups as the 6 11s to take this year. I do want to talk about – I started talking about locations there, and you're like, eh, well, how much does that really matter? When teams are playing in their home state and they're the high, the highest-ranked pod they, – they're called pods when you have these four teams they are playing at a certain location. When the highest-ranked pod team is playing in their home state, they have made it to the Sweet 16 on all but six occasions in the last 13 years. So if you're looking at a team – that's playing outside of it or inside of its home state for one of these pod matchups, you really want to make sure that you're taking them all the way out to the Sweet 16. History just tells us it's going to happen. So while this year there aren't any teams that are playing in their home states, there's a couple of teams that are playing close to home. Villanova playing in Hartford, Connecticut. Purdue, that means, has to travel to Connecticut. You know, it's Indiana. It's not super far away. But Villanova's good. That's essentially going to be a home game for them if they get Villanova-Purdue in the second round. Villanova's a team. They've got the guard play. Eric Pascal is an NBA-level talent, and they've got the coach. I like Villanova to get to the Sweet 16 just because they're able to play at home. I think that is hugely, hugely important when you're going in the tournament. Uh, Houston is another team that they're going to be playing at home against Georgia State. This whole, this whole pod, Iowa State, Ohio State, Houston, Georgia State, all those teams with the exception of Ohio State are close to home. Houston or oh, Iowa State, I like both those teams. I really like this Iowa State team. I think they really beat up on Kansas in that Big 12 title game, obviously. But I, I like a lot of what they have to do. Now, let's start talking a little bit deeper into the tournament. Final four. Don't be the guy who takes all four one seeds. It's only happened once since, it's, since they expanded the field to – uh, 64 teams in 1985. It's only happened once. It was in 2008. It's not going to happen, especially because of the one and done era that we live in. Teams are young and they get caught up in the big moments. A team like Duke, and I keep picking on Duke, but again, this team just does not have a lot of veteran leadership, especially playing big time minutes for them. They're going to come into a big moment and they just will have not been there before and it's going to hurt them. One of these, at least one of these one seeds isn't going to make it to the final four. And more than likely, two of them aren't going to make it to the final four. Uh, find a two seed that you really like because the two seeds are fairly common to make it to the final four. Uh, one seeds make it to the final four 41% of the time, two seeds about 21% of the time. So my recommendation is find two one seeds that you like more than likely you're going to get two one seeds in the final four and then find either a two or a three you really like and again if you're in a big pool with 50 60 70 plus people find a lower seed to make it to the final four a four a five an eight a nine an eleven uh stay away from ten 
and then 12 and below. 12 and below has never made a Final Four before. Uh, nines and tens have been extremely unlikely to make the Final Four, but for whatever reason, eight seeds have made the Final Four 4% of the time, whereas nine seeds are just about 1% of the time. I would be looking at five seeds, eight seeds, and if you really want to get frisky, an 11 seed. I don't love any of the 11 seeds enough to put them in the Final Four. There's a couple of eight seeds. Syracuse. Again, we talked about it earlier. That 2-3 zone is really tough to deal with. And if they can get past Gonzaga, they likely have a matchup with either Marquette, Murray State, or Florida State. I think all three of those teams are very beatable, especially with that 2-3 zone. I like the matchup for Syracuse in any of those games. And then you look at the other side of the bracket, they have a potential matchup with Michigan, who I don't know if they are... I don't know if they'll have the three-point shooting to be able to beat that Syracuse zone. Michigan State, or Michigan, excuse me, very good defensive team. They're holding teams under 59 points per game. But Syracuse is an eight seed that I would look at. VCU as well. I like VCU's leadership on this team. Uh, the, the metrics aren't as high on VCU as I might be. Uh, Ken Palm has them as the 37th ranked team in the country. Not a good offense for VCU. Not a good offensive team, but they are an elite defensive team. I think that that's something that could push VCU a long ways in the tournament. I know we said that, you know, for Virginia, being good defensively doesn't mean a lot. If your recipe for an upset is to be good offensively. That being said, if you want to make a deep run, and if you've got a really good defensive team like that, history does show that you can make, deep pushes. We look at Loyola Chicago last year. They were consistently scoring in the holding opponents to the 60s game in, game out. Something It's another eight seed to look at. Uh, the other eight seed that I like is Utah State. I don't know if they're a Final Four contender, but again, Sam Merrill, really talented uh, guard for that team. He's a veteran. He hasn't been in the tournament before, but he's had a lot of big-time experience. Uh, and then looking at some of the four five seeds, four fives, fours are about, they make the final four about 10% of the time, five seeds about 4% of the time. So you're much more likely for a four seed to do it. I don't like Kansas. I don't love Florida state. Virginia techs are really interesting one. This Virginia tech team has been very good at certain points or, uh, throughout this season. I think they're really talented. They're a very good offensive team, but they're balanced as well. Their defense is good even though they're a better offensive team. Ken Palm has them as the 11th-ranked team in the country, so they're a little bit under-seeded. I like this Virginia Tech team a lot. If Virginia Tech and Duke meet in the Sweet 16, that might be a good upset pick. Everyone in your pool is going to take Duke. Taking Duke to win it all isn't going to get you anywhere because you're going to have to be perfect just about everywhere else to win your pool. Do something different. Go with maybe like a Virginia Tech or a VCU over Duke in that region. The other four I do really like is Kansas State. Uh, this was the, the second best team in the Big 12. I think that means something. Again, very, very good defensive team. They struggle offensively, but very, very good defensive team that could make a deep run if you're going big on defense. That being said, uh, being, being bad on offense is a recipe for an upset. So if I'm, if I'm you, I would take Virginia Tech to the Final Four. I would figure out two one seeds between Gonzaga, North Carolina, and Virginia to take to the Final Four, and then take like a two or a three seed. Maybe you really like Tennessee. Maybe you're a Kentucky fan. Maybe you really like this Texas Tech team. Figure out one of those to take to the Final Four. And then finally, when it comes to the national champion, 
what's the recipe here? We talked earlier about how you got to pick a one seed to win it all. Now, with the exception of when UConn won it as a seven seed, every national champion we've had since 2008 has been top 20 in Ken Palm adjusted offense and top 20 in Ken Palm adjusted defense. So that list that you're looking at is Virginia, Gonzaga, Duke, Michigan State, Michigan, North Carolina, Kentucky. So don't pick Tennessee to win it if you're picking one of the two seeds. Those are your seven teams right there that history tells you without a shadow of a doubt, one of those seven teams is going to win the national title. For what it's worth, there are three of those teams that are top 10 in each, Michigan State, Duke, Virginia. This Virginia team, I'm telling you right now, they are different than last year's team. This team is elite offensively. Kyle Guy is one of the best players in the entire country and should be an All-American. They've got playmakers like they didn't have last year. And this team is going to come out with a chip on their shoulder after the way that they were embarrassed last year. Everyone is doubting them and setting them aside. I like that team a lot. And we've talked a lot about offense. Gonzaga has the number one offense, according to Ken Palm, in the entire country. This team can get buckets in a lot of ways. They can go inside with Brandon Clark. They can hit the mid-range and have Rui Hachimura create his own shot. Josh Perkins is an elite, pure point guard. And Zach Norvell, we saw it last year in the tournament in the first round with his big shot against the hit he hit against UNC Wilmington. He will get big buckets and can hit big shots late in games. So if you're really going in on what I'm having to say here, I personally, I'm taking Gonzaga to win it all. I'm not having Duke make it past the Sweet 16. Take Oregon. Take Villanova further than most people will. You have to take some risks. Do the research. Find the tools. And I'm telling you, hopefully this stuff I, I gave you today can help you reach there. But uh, let's move on. We, we got a good conversation with my good buddy Nick Carinanti. Going to talk a lot about the particulars. And if you're not in a... Uh, if you're not a big bracket pool person, just as a, as a viewer, the best way to experience it. All right. I want to welcome in my uh, good friend and basketball exer Nick, n expert, Nick Carinanti. How are you doing, bud? Good. Thanks for having me on, Nathan. Uh, really excited to have you on. We wanted to talk a little bit about some of the entertainment value that people can expect from the tournament, what to watch for, especially if you aren't a college basketball fan. Um, so let's just start off with why Murray State and John Morant's going to be the most fun team to watch in the tournament. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot away from that just a little bit and go into why Marquette Murray State is, without a doubt, the most intriguing matchup of round one. Absolutely. And why Marcus Howard and John Morant's the most intriguing player matchup of right. and the whole tournament. It's going to be interesting because they're not going to be matched up on each other defensively, and that doesn't matter. Right? Neither of those guys are defensive savants. Let's go with that. And John Morant has a, we'll call it James Harden defense skills. The ability, Get, but gets a lot of steals. Yeah, just so he can get easy transition and, and, buckets. And Ja, I think, is capable defensively. I, that is not where they're going to start on Marcus Howard. Now we will see if the game progresses if they do make that that switch. But I, I do know that with some confidence that he will not be starting on Marcus Howard. Insider knowledge. Insider knowledge. A little bit. I like it. But more importantly, these are. Without Darius Garland, you know, playing for the last four months, these are without a doubt the two most exciting point guards in college basketball. Most exciting, yeah. I'll, I'll say I'll give you that for sure. And I, I mean, would I would say best. I mean, they're my top two. 
Yeah, without, I mean, without Garland on the board. Without Garland on the board, it's those two guys. And then after that, you're looking at you know a guy like Kobe White, a guy like Josh Perkins, sure. like Gonzaga, guys Trey that Jones, guys that are dude. are more I would say one dimensional. Yeah, they, they um, quite, that they do do like Trey Trey Jones is an elite defensive player. Kobe is inconsistent and create. Josh Perkins is a little more complete, but less. He's not a guy who's going to take over a game right. like Ja. Right. He's a little he's bit more of your traditional your true point mm-hmm. guard. And, and granted, he can get buckets. Sure, he has had his games where he drops twenty, but he's just—it's not going to be. But when you're looking at over. at the first round matchups, you want a guy that's going to have the ball in their hands a lot, and mm-hmm. that is Marcus Howard and John John Morant. <laughs> Absolutely, and even Marcus Howard, that offense is is based around him. His ability to stretch the defense, his ability to shoot threes, is what is what makes Marquette dangerous, in my opinion. Um, and then John Moran is just the most explosive player in college basketball, not named Zion Williamson, and he is an unbelievable creator for himself and for his teammates. He has playmaking ability, scoring ability. It's going to be really interesting seeing him against a higher level of athlete and hopefully for for a couple rounds potentially um how he is able to handle pressure from especially if they were to get into the second round against a team like Florida State how would he be able to handle pressure from a team with length and athleticism that he has not seen all year that is going to be keying on him because we know he is the focal point of of Murray State by by a wide margin his usage rates at 33 percent which is really high um, and it obviously would be higher if he wasn't such a great distributor. Some of the alley-oop lobs that he's thrown this year are, are really NBA level. They're Dwayne Wade, LeBron-esque, the way that he's putting those balls up there for his teammates. And uh, maybe the more impressive thing is, while he has a high usage rate at 33%, Marcus Howard is higher at 37%. And that's what I was going to ask, and that doesn't surprise me. And But if you look at Marcus Howard, how many threes does he take a game? Do you have that pulled up for me? Uh, Yeah, I can get that for you real quick. He takes about eight and a half per game, and he's shooting a 41% clip at just about. I mean, he is is an elite player, Uh, especially from the three-point line. He's going to take and make a lot of three-pointers. Granted, if you look at it, this is his third year at Marquette. He's mm -hmm. a career 43% three-point shooter with averaging seven attempts a game. Yeah. Which is an absurd rate for for – you know he's taking five as a freshman, so yeah, and he's he's averaging twenty five a uh, twenty five and four a game right and now. Now let's hope he's fully healthy. He did he did get a little banged up in the Big East tournament, right? And I was going to bring that up is you know if he's not entirely healthy, and here actually I'll, I'll take it even a step further. If he's not entirely healthy, or if at some point they move John Morant onto him, because Marcus Howard is a shorter player. He's five eleven. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how well he'd be able to deal with the length that John Moran has that makes him so attractive to the NBA, right? Yeah, I mean, that would be interesting just if Murray State is willing to to commit to that style of defense, which is not their typical thing. They're not just going to throw jaw on somebody and just try to cover for, for 30 feet away from the basket. I mean, that's not really their MO. It will be interesting if they if they commit to that and, you know, if if Marcus Howard has 20 in the first half, I mean, that's what we would expect to see, right? So it'll be interesting seeing that. I'm a little concerned about, about Murray State's interior defense. Yeah, I mean, they don't they don't have a lot of size inside. No. They don't have a lot of – look, this Murray State team as a whole is not great, but what makes them so fun to watch is they have arguably the best player in college basketball, which is John Morant. And if, 
if not the best, at the very least, he's in the discussion for most exciting. I mean, And that's what makes this matchup so intriguing and also a little disappointing as a fan is we're going to eliminate one of Marcus Howard or John Morant in the first round, which right. I would really love to see both of those guys have runs because they're both so capable. Um, and it will be interesting. I mean, John Morant has to be the best player on the court, and that's that's obviously very hot takey. That's very cliche. Like, of course he does. He's, he's Murray State's, you know, He's team. everything to them. But really. at the same time, if... If he is getting outscored by Marcus Howard, I mean, it's one of those are you going to let somebody else beat you kind of thing. If Marcus Howard is counter, you know, counteracting Ja, the rest of Marquette is is more capable and than Murray State, and that that would be to me a, a big concern if if Marcus Howard gets going. Yeah, and um, both both these teams are much better offensive teams than they are defensive yep, teams. Absolutely, uh, I. My ideal scenario for this game is Marcus Howard and John Morant get very early into the game a battle of, oh, you got a bucket? Well, let me get bu- get a bucket. They both drop 30, and we get like an 85-80 to 80 game. That's my ideal and scenario. And it, it will be interesting. I would like to see some points, and I expect to see some points. And it will be interesting to see if if that is the way this team this game goes. And maybe, you know, Marquette just locks down defensively, and it's a, you know, absolute blowout John Morant can't get anything going it's that's possible and we'll see it will be interesting to me if the winner of this team does get a elite performance from either point guard which is likely maybe expected will that lead into the second round of you know a Kemba like rise and that's you know there's going to be a lot of talk of that going in that one of these guys both of them have the capability to be 30 point game 30 point a game guy for a run and and that was you led right into the next question I wanted to ask you, outside of Marcus Howard and John Morant, because I think those are the two most obvious options. Mm-hmm. Who's most likely to have a Kemba-like run in this tournament, where they go three, four games, averaging twenty-five, thirty a game, and just really putting the team on their back to to big heights? So I have a couple answers for this. I'm gonna give yeah, you. Let's let's run let's run through the guys. I'm I'm gonna put into a couple different categories because you got your guys. Like Jarrett Culver. Jarrett Culver is one of my favorite players to watch in college basketball. He is a guaranteed top five pick. Yeah, if you don't know the name, he's going to be he, an early He is an elite, elite college basketball player. He can do a lot of things, I mean, on the basketball court. He has – now, it's concerning for Texas Tech because can they score if he gets into foul trouble or – you know, no, that, we know that answer. Yeah. That's what happened in the, in the Big 12 tournament. But Jarrett Culver has – is the most likely candidate to just completely take over and, you know, go on a Final Four kind of run. Mm -hmm. And he has shown that, and he is capable of winning games on his own. Yeah. And to me, that makes him the clear candidate. But also, that's on a three seed. That's not necessarily, uh, you know, underdog Cinderella type story. Right, which granted, Kemba did it. UConn was a three seed that year when they they did make that run. Yeah. which, by the way, a Texas Tech-Buffalo matchup in the second round is something I really want to see. Well, and that's why my, my second answer for that is C.J. Massenberg. Right. And I, I do very much enjoy his game as well. And he, this is a Buffalo team to me that I feel would, I think, would feel disrespected. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think they're going to come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Yep. Uh, I feel like... Uh, we, it's very rare that we get true small conferences like the MAC having teams seated this high. It's not often. Mm-hmm. You know, Gonzaga was kind of the one who did it for a long time mm-hmm. consistently. But usually, when we think of 
teams from the non-Power 5, so to speak. It's Big East, which if you count them as Power 6, then it, it's there. Sure. But like a lot of American athletic conference teams have been in this spot. Or, you know, Wichita State would have would be in this spot. And it's typically we don't see them get upset super early. And if we do, a lot of times it feels like it's because they're overseeded. The, the first one that comes to mind was like Xavier last year is the one seed. I think anyone who had watched Xavier knew this team probably isn't really a one seed, but the resume was there. This Buffalo team really is this good. They really are, and they're very complete. They're very well coached. I don't have any flaws to point out. I mean, are they beatable? Of course, but they're they're a very complete team, and C.D. Massenburg has the ability to take over a game. I think that's what we're, when we're looking at this kind of Kemba takeover. If you look at that UConn team, that UConn team locked up. Yeah, they were an elite defensive team that offensively said Kemba go go put the ball in the bucket, and yeah. he did so. And that matters, and that's why I think Buffalo is you know that is a very capable full team with Massenburg having the ability to handle his own in a way that Wofford now no, not saying Wofford's not capable, but if you look at Wofford, they're not going to play defense. No, they're gonna just, they're gonna go. They're gonna outscore people. Now, I do want to point out they shoot forty one percent from three. Absurd. Yeah, that that is there. So, and I, I mentioned it earlier when we were doing my my breakdown. There's a couple teams that live and die by the three. Wofford is absolutely one of them. This is a team that if you told me that they go six for thirty in the first round against Seton Hall and they lose, I'm not shocked. If you tell me that they shoot fifty percent against Kentucky in the second round and make it to the Sweet Sixteen, I'm not shocked. They yeah, are going to live and die by the And three. that's what something I do want to talk about when I go into my potential upset picks is that live and die by the three mentality. Right now I just want to purely talk about Fletcher McGee. D- all right. Who <laughs> and I have said this before, if he had been born ten years earlier, he would have been at Duke. Unfortunately, he's not, and for his sake, and Fletcher McGee at Wofford. Fletcher McGee at Wofford, um, small white guy shooter. I mean, very JJ Redick coming off curls, throwing his body in different directions as shooting threes and off balance. I mean, he will just he will shoot from wherever he touches the ball, and it's it's exciting. A little bit of Dan Dickow, in my opinion. Sure, sure. That's a. I don't even know if you've ever watched Dan Dickow play, but absolutely, I have. Well, I talking about college Dan Dickow, not Nick no, Dickow. No, no. <laughs> well, never forget that Spike Lee once said he liked Dick when the Knicks traded for Dan Dickow on on draft night. But right. I, I did, did watch Dan Dickow at Gonzaga. Um, nice. Okay. But he does have that very typical, you know, college white guy, John Shire, JJ Redick, Dan Dickow, where he's you know shooting off balance threes from from twenty five feet out, you know, just without looking at the basket. Right? He's that sort of catch and shoot and that is a guy that is inherently exciting because he's going to take bad shots and they're going to go in sometimes and absolutely if if Wofford gets hot I mean they're a team that is capable of, of beating people and he's capable of going for 30 a night I mean they beat Carolina in the Dean Dome last year yeah I mean their their only losses this year were pretty elite teams right I want to say North Carolina Oklahoma mm-hmm. I think Syracuse was on that yeah. list but it was it was all you know power all, five all, all four of the all teams pa- they lost to in pa- the tournament power five tournament teams yeah they're very and that's cap- why they're a seven seed even yeah. though they're like 29 and four and they're very capable and but it is going to come down to Fletcher McGee I mean their team as a whole is going to shoot threes but that that McGee in particular McGee is the guy is who the, is the focal hot. point of that. I mean, and I, I want to I want to give a comparison because when I look at this Wofford team and I watch this Wofford team, you know who they remind me of? If 
if Fletcher McGee could be a player from 2000, I want to say it was 2009. Jimmer? Ali Farouk Manesh Ali Farouk. for no, Northern he, Iowa. He, he's, he's much better than Farouk Manesh. Oh, absolutely. But Ali Farouk Manesh in that game against Kansas had yeah, like if you 28. Just look at the, if you just look at the mentality. Right. It's a team that they're going to they're gonna take threes. They're going to play fearless. And they have a chance to beat a Kentucky team who's really good. I think oh, it's championship level good. And, I mean, we just talked about Marcus Howard shooting eight a game. Fletcher McGee shoots nearly 11. Yeah, he takes a lot of threes. And he makes a lot of threes. And he's making 43% of them so, this I mean, year, which is absurd, unheard of in college basketball. And we're seeing this push towards – we saw it in the NBA, and I think it's starting to trickle down at college basketball even more. Teams are just shooting more and more threes. Auburn actually is shooting more threes than twos this mm-hmm. season. That's another team that they're going to live and die by the three-pointer. What's – uh? If you're a team that, if you're a fan, casual fan, and you just want to see high-scoring games, what are a few teams that you're like, okay, these are the teams you really have to tune into? I mean, I do think that that Murray State Marquette game is going to put up points. I, th- I think that is a hundred percent the That's most. And we said it, it's the most watchable first-round game by far, in my opinion, because you aren't just getting bad, like or not bad, but you're not getting average eight-nine teams in a good mm-hmm. game. I mean, you have a five seed who could make a sweet 16 elite eight run, and you have a team in Murray State who's going to have a top two, three pick in the draft. Uh, and I think we, t- we talked about Wofford as well. They're going to get buckets. Wofford-Seton Hall is fun, and I actually yeah. have Seton Hall to win that game. They're hot, and I think they're dangerous. And But I think that's going to be a lot of fun. There are some – there, I mean, we're gonna and we'll go through some of the matchups in particular, but there's a lot of defensive teams matched up that are gonna be slow, prodding games that are not gonna be fun. No, uh, there, there's a, a few of them on this list that I'm looking at and have zero desire. Like Louisville, Minnesota is not a game that I the plan Patino on Bowl. In. Yeah, you got Pati- Will Rick Patino be there? Will he be shown on TV? Those are my guess. Those are what I'm looking for. Will he get hired by UNLV? I mean, this yes, is- no, yes, yes, no, yes. Um. There's a lot of there's a lot of games that that aren't going to be as watchable. One we talked about earlier, Wisconsin, Oregon. Those are two very good defensive teams who are not very good offensively. Mm-hmm. That game's going to end up in the fifties. Uh, I actually that's one game I picked Oregon to win because I yep. think it's going to be low scoring, and I'll, I like Peyton Pritchard to be able to create his own shot late in the game. Yeah, and I, I have that same that same logic going into my pick for the same reason. Um. I think St. Mary's Villanova is going to be a very competitive matchup. Absolutely, I agree. Now, exciting can mean a lot of different things because sometimes exciting is the most points scored. Other times, it's a pretty boring game for the first, you know, thirty-eight minutes of regulation, and the last two are, you know, at a at the buzzer, and that's what matters. Yeah, I think we're gonna have more of those than we are the like fun, fast-paced first-round matchups. Right. Uh, absolutely agree with that. I wanted to move into uh, start talking about kind of the the bracket on a little bit of a broader perspective. The four one seeds you got Duke, Virginia, North Carolina, Gonzaga. I'm not going to ask you to pick one or pick a champion yet, but which of those one seeds do you think has the highest bust potential? As in, they're the most likely to go out in the first, second, Sweet Sixteen rounds of this tournament. Because I know for me personally, I talked about it previously, but I, I don't trust this Duke team. I don't think they have the veteran guard play that you need in the tournament. And I could see them coming up against a VCU or the team I think that will knock them off in the tournament is Virginia Tech that has experience. Virginia, Virginia, and 
And Granted, I, Virginia Tech beat them without Zion, but Virginia Tech did beat them. Virginia Tech does know them. Right, and I think that's a really dangerous matchup. I don't – the way R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish have been playing, they've been trending down, and I was, I was saying it earlier, Zion Williamson is – foul trouble away from this team really losing its offense. Yeah, and we saw that. They're not I mean they should have lost to Wake Forest. Just 100% should have yeah, lost. Yeah, absolutely. Um now I don't think any of these teams I and I want to preface I think the ones and twos are very trustworthy in this tournament and I think everything beyond that is is a crapshoot. And I think there's a huge drop off from 2 to 3 and I mean I have a couple threes going pretty far so I'm not discrediting them, but the 3 4 fives being upset will not surprise me. The ones and twos, I, th- I think, will hold on pretty long. Um, and I don't think they will lose, but the potential Gonzaga-Syracuse matchup is, is something to look out for. I mean, That's one I mentioned earlier, yeah, too. That 2-3 th- zone is terrifying. And, and you know, that, that concerns me as well for um, North Carolina in the second round playing potential with Washington, right. who runs the same – it's a Bayheim disciple, it's a Syracuse zone. However, North Carolina – does see it twice a year every year. Right, and that's that, that's less concerning to me. This Carolina team, though, I think they could win the title, but they're a team that could, you know, especially Kansas in the Sweet 16. Roy's had his issues with Kansas. Playing that game in Kansas City would be – I don't think Kansas is very good. I don't think Kansas is very good either. I don't think Kansas – I don't know if Kansas will get out of the first round, but that would be a matchup I would not want to see, Kansas in Kansas City with Roy Williams there. That's tough. Yeah, um, this Carolina team could – could lose. I mean, I don't. Again, the ones I feel pretty confident in. But which one is most likely to bust? That if if you had to put your money well, on one of them to bust out, b- which would bust you be is a on? different. You know, bust is such a subjective term because if Duke loses in the Sweet Sixteen, I'm saying they don't. Cat- they don't make it to the Elite Eight. That's that's where I'll draw the line. Is they don't make it to the Elite Eight. Yeah. So you're looking at you know the four five matchup there in particular. It, I, it's more so just a question yeah, about who, the, the team I think makeup the, themselves. D- the Duke makeup is interesting because we've seen the Zion, Williams, and Duke teams be pretty unbeatable barring that Gonzaga game. But I think you're right. We've seen, you know, he tweaks an ankle, blows out a shoe, gets in foul trouble. That team doesn't impress me. Um, not only you said the lack of guard play, the veteran guard play, but also just the poor decision-making of, of R.J. Barrett. Right who is someone who will take the ball and will take the shot, and whether that's a good idea or not, it is to him. He is plummeting in terms of his confidence, his draft board. I mean, especially over the last month, he has really not been playing at a high level like we'd expected RJ No, no to I be. do still believe he'll be the second pick of the NBA draft, so, I mean, he'll make millions of dollars either way. Oh, absolutely, but, but as it pertains but to Duke could, winning a national could championship. He, could he shoot Duke out of a, out of a game? 100%. So I'll go with Duke with you on that pick. Yeah. I uh, I think I think Virginia is so much better offensively this year than they were last year. I don't see any way they lose. I don't see a way that they don't make it to the Sweet 16. And I I like them as a team. I I like North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, and we're gonna everyone's gonna make the comparison to last year's Virginia team. Exactly. And I don't think it's a. But I, let I me tell you. It. Let me tell you a fact. No one seed has ever lost to 16 seeds in back to back years. Nathan. There you go. That's just it's facts. Um, um, Kyle Guy is playing at an elite level right now. DeAndre yeah. Hunter is a. They didn't have that kind of guy last year. And, and I think DeAndre Hunter is really the difference. Yeah, hundred percent. 
DeAndre Hunter is a guy who he is an NBA level player. Yep, and and, and a high lottery level NBA player. And he will. He's the stopgap. Things are going poorly. They have DeAndre Hunter. Yep. And that that is why I'm I'm not concerned with them. I think this Gonzaga team is the most complete team in the country. Uh, yeah, hundred percent agree. I I think they're offensively. I don't know anyone who's going to be able to shut them down offensively. It's just a matter of can they defend the three point line. That's yeah, and that's issue. why that Syracuse matchup is so interesting because it's not necessarily being shut down on defense. It's just having to you know. Having to beat his own. Having, having to beat to his be own, have, having to shoot, have to play a different style. And ultimately, I think that game will be very close at halftime. I think Syracuse will have a lead in the first half. And I think, if that's even the matchup, but right. I think Gonzaga is, you know, Mark Few's a good enough coach that they will be able to, to the, win that comfortably. If, 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 we're, but, if we're jumping ahead to Gonzaga-Syracuse, the key to that game is going to be Zach Norvell. He's yeah. the best three-point shooter on that team. We saw it last year, him hit. Big shot after big shot. He needs to be able to put 20, 25, 30 up in that game for them to to be able to win, and especially if they want to win comfortably. Look, Gonzaga has guys who can shoot the rock. Norvell is the guy. I would make the argument Norvell is one of the best three-point spot-up shooters in the league, and there's a reason he'll probably go pro and probably get drafted in sometime mid-second or mid to early second round, I'll say. It's because he's a, he's a bucket getter. He's going to get you three-pointers any time of the day and he needs to show up against that zone because you got to sh- you know what you know what the old saying is you got to shoot out the zone and if you're going to do that you need a guy like Zach Norvell to step up um what's the uh what's the let's call it the mid-tier seed that you think could make a final four run uh, that that four five even six let's say that you think can make the run I don't want to give you the twos and the threes the twos and threes okay, are too yeah easy. of course um even though this is a year where the threes are a little bit weaker, I think than normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on a couple. All right, give, uh, give yeah, give us a uh, couple. Auburn could lose the first game of the year, right? I mean, I don't want to be like, oh, they could win, they could lose, of course. Right. But the way they play, they're especially prone the, to they're uh, live by the three, die by the three. You said it earlier. Mm-hmm. You, we've seen that team get hot and go on final four runs. And that wouldn't surprise me one bit. It's why they're SEC tournament champions, and why sure. they blew out Tennessee in the in the championship. Mar- Marquette game. is that same sort of thing. We talked about him earlier, but Marcus Howard is the kind of player that that can can lead a team on a on a very dangerous run. Um, which, which, by the way, Jared Harper is another guy that I would want to put on that list of a Kemba like run. I could see him getting twenty thirty a game for Auburn as they make a, a run to the Elite Eight or Final Four. Uh, but anyways, continue. Go on. Uh, I know for me personally, one team I talked about was Kansas State. I, I like this Kansas State team. I don't know if they have the traditional makeup of a middle seed that makes a deep run. That being said, I just really like they. I mean, for for a four seed, this is an elite defensive team, mm-hmm. and I think that makes them upset prone. But it also means that they're going to be in a lot of close games. Yeah, they're going to have a, a tough one with it. That's a good anteater team. Yeah, sure. UCI is good. And, again, when you're a good defensive team like Kansas State is, you're going to play in close games. And it's just a matter of are they going to win them or not. I don't know if they will. I think they're another team that's upset potential, but at the same time. And there, there's such a – there's a narrative difference of a team like Wofford. If Wofford beats Kentucky in the second round – and loses in the Sweet 16, that's a miracle run for them, even though this is a, you know, the best team in school history and 
won a whole lot of games this year. But because they're Wofford, there would be no expectation to beat Kentucky. That would be a massive upset. Same thing goes for Buffalo, but those are both extremely talented and capable teams. Those are really good teams. Those are teams that in, like, let's for a second put Wofford in the SEC. I mean, that team still has a winning record in the SEC. Mm -hmm. They probably win 10, 11, 12 Yeah, and they're better than any team in the Pac-12. So, 100%. I mean, those kind of teams are capable. It's going to be really interesting to see how they fare against, you know, your more more athletic big-time schools. But I, I do like both of them, personally. So it's – I do think there's going to be a lot of mid-tier upsets. I, I see a lot of fives and sixes going down. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. I think it's a I think it's a year that a lot of these 11, 12, 13s are they they this was a year in particular where out of conference scheduling we see see a lot of big boys just scheduling each other. And I think these big conferences realize if you're a school like Indiana, if you don't schedule any puff cakes, you just schedule exclusively big guys, the North Carolinas, the Dukes, you can go 17 and 15, but still be on the bubble because you don't have any bad losses. So I think a lot of these 12 and 13 seeds, they're a little undervalued because they never had a chance to play that big game. So they never got the the big win to boost the RPI or get those quad one wins. And I think a lot of these six teams, six seeds, these five seeds are a little overvalued because they did have so many good losses, so to speak, but they were able to couple that with good wins because they had so many opportunities. The team I look at in particular was Mississippi State at the five line. I don't like this Mississippi State team at all. Um, the problem is they're playing Liberty, who I'm not in love. I like all the other 12 seeds better than Liberty. And so that's a game I don't really know what to do with. No love for Scotty James? I, no, not a significant amount of love for Scotty James. Liberty's interesting because they're not fun. They're No, they're not. And that's the thing. That 12 um, line, I feel like shout it's out, fun Shout teams. out Peter Huguenin, but he has referred to them as Virginia Light. Okay. And it's there. I mean, and Scotty James is going to have to hit shots. He's going to have to be the difference maker. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very possible. Which, by the way, Virginia Light is Cincinnati, so can we call Liberty Cincinnati Light? I'll accept that. All right, all right. By the way, uh, shout out to, to Jaron Cumberland for that performance in the American Absolutely. Final game. I mean, he had, what, 34, I think, by the end of it? The dude was insane, had more than half the team's points. Cincinnati's a team that is really dangerous to me, and I don't know whether to take him – in the Sweet 16 and beat Tennessee or have them lose in the first round because I always get overhyped on these teams There's, go out of their, I mean, out of their again, I, I feel very little confidence with a lot of these sort of teams. Purdue is the same way. I have, it, Purdue scares me. Is, is Carson Edwards going to hit 12 threes in a game? Potentially. Is Carson Edwards also just not going to show up and Purdue loses by 15 to Old Dominion? It's not a bad ODU team, I'll be honest. ODU's but, decent. Um. Here, here's my take on that region, though, is I'm taking Villanova to the Sweet 16 because yeah. they're playing in Connecticut. Yeah. They're playing at home. Uh, and this thing. is a real – I mean, it's this is a team that's won two out of the last three national titles. Obviously, it's not the same team. They don't have Jalen Brunson, but Eric Pascal is fantastic. Jay Wright is an amazing coach. This team is really, really good. Did you say you were high on Kansas State? Did we talk about Kansas State? We talked about Kansas State. I said I'm high on Kansas State. I, I, did I like their mention, potential. I, I like I their potential. I didn't bring it up at the time, but it, Dean Wade is getting evaluated tomorrow. And I've seen that he, they're trying to get him in for, you know, 10, 15 minutes, at least in the, you know, opening weekend. That is massive. 
that is a huge difference of if they're out in the first weekend or if they're they're making a long run is his his availability and health. Yeah. So I mean, he's a he's a guy who averaged thirteen and, and six this year. He averaged sixteen and six last year. Dean Wade is very, very talented and the hope is if they can get him back, I think Yeah, that makes them really dangerous. I wanna talk briefly before we wrap on just guys that are gonna be fun to watch, guys that are gonna be entertaining and they may not be the Kemba Walker, you know, of the tournament, but a guy like Admiral Schofield, who's obviously at a at a premier school, but casual fans may not know of him. Casual fans will love him. Right. You know, a guy like that, Kyle Guy, I would put in that same Yeah, from Virginia. Yeah. Really just I mean, he's a guy who's He's just fun. Yeah, Kyle Kyle Guy is entertaining, and Kyle Guy, you know, with the chance to play for a few games, is gonna is gonna get some fans. We talked about mm-hmm. John Marcus Howard. I mean, I would throw out there Taco Fall just because Ta- he's Taco so, Fall. One hundred percent was one of the reasons I wanted to go with that. I mean, he's seven five, seven six. I, I he's I'll seven six. Know. He's listed as. Um, he's, I mean, he's just such a a caricature of a human being that he's just incredibly the black bobon, uh, the black bobon. I I'm here for it. I like that. I like that take. Um, I think that Nevada, the Martin twins, are going to become either heroes or villains depending on your mindset on Nevada. That's a team I could see Nevada making another Sweet 16 run because they have so much talent and the Martins just become the face of this Nevada run again, and everyone's either going to love them or hate them. Uh, is there anyone, any other guys you want to talk about as just incredibly entertaining players? Yeah, just because we haven't talked about him, and I know it's somebody that we're both really high on, is Dylan Windler from Belmont. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. huge Dylan mm-hmm. Windler fan. That, that's a 2010 guy, and he's very capable of having a 35-15 and 15 night. Well, in the OVC semifinals, he had, what, like 41 and, like, 27? He's yeah, a guard, and he got, like, 20-plus assists. Yeah, it was absurd. He's 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 a very interesting player because he's, you know, 6'8 and kind of a guard wing. He, he, yeah. He, he really rebounds the ball at an extremely high level. He But he shoots the ball. That's right, he but he's he's a shooter, and that's the kind of guy. If Belmont and you know the world will get a chance to watch Belmont exclusively be, because he's on the the first four and he's not. Right, you need to watch that game tonight. By the way, Kyle Windler he shoots forty three percent on the year, takes seven threes a game. Um, a lot of fun to watch. But and that will be you know Belmont's not going to have to share the glory of national television with everybody else because they will have that first four, and I think people will love Kyle Windler. I think Shamori Pond's also in the first four. It's a guy I've been high on for a long time now, and he is very capable of taking over a game. And, you know, those first four playing games get people rooting for him. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, again, Kyle Windler in the semifinal, I got the official numbers here against Austin P. He dropped 32 points and 21 rebounds as, like, a very much not a center shooting threes. He's a lot of fun to watch. Let's go rapid fire real quick. I just want to get some quick opinions on, on some things for you. Uh, favorite double-digit seed. So, I knew you were going to ask me this. I did some research. Ohio State has a 13% chance of getting the Sweet 16, which is shocking to me. Why? Because you think they're better than that? Because they're not very good? I don't think they're very good at all either. Um, so, how? wait. But that was just very shocking to me that they have such a high chance to get to the Sweet 16. I mean, that's a, a tall ask. I just thought that was interesting. I don't like them. 
I really like Belmont. Yep, Belmont was my pick. I told everyone earlier to to take them to the Sweet 16. Um, eight eight or nine seed that could upset a one seed in the in the second round. I know for me, I, I mentioned Syracuse. I mentioned yeah, VCU. Those uh, would be the the two I would say. Um, Washington also is an elite defensive team with that zone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Typhon is you know the best defensive college basketball player I've ever watched. So. Fair enough. All right. Uh, let's go with uh, Final Four. If you had to pick a Final Four right now, who who, who are you going with? So start, it, start in the East region. Your top seeds there are Duke, Michigan State, LSU, Virginia Tech. I uh, My initial thought was LSU. I don't know who's coaching them if they have a coach. They um, We talked a lot about earlier about how their interim coach has been an absolute mess for them and how they did not look good in their game. Will Could Will Wade come back? Will Wade will not be back. We're making that assumption. Could, could Will Wade come back, you know, get the guys fired up? If Will Wade is there, I like LSU. I, I think, I mean, Duke has the easiest road, and, you know, that's what you get with being the number one overall. I don't think they're as infallible as, as the world says. I just don't know who in this region is beating them without – you know, LSU having a legit shot. You I know who's going to beat them is Virginia Tech. I, I would love too. that. I I think it's a it's a nice matchup. Um, I just don't know who I see coming out of that bracket. So who you, so who are you picking? This is your official bracket to put up against everyone. You need to be perfect, otherwise your family's gone. Like come you, on back, we'll weigh the Gokes Tigers. So you're going LSU. LSU. All right. Uh, South region got Virginia, Tennessee, Purdue, and Kansas State as the top seeds. Who are you? Who are you taking in in your perfect bracket for every? Yeah, I'm going Tennessee. You going Tennessee? Okay, Admiral Schofield guy. Midwest got North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, Houston as your top seeds. There. Who do you like? Is this where is this where you might go with one of the lower seeds? I know you're a Carolina guy. Are you yeah, sticking with your roots there? I, th- I think I go Carolina there. And then finally, you go to the West. You've got Gonzaga, Michigan, Texas Tech, and Florida State. Who are you taking as your as your last Final Four team there? My heart says Texas Tech. Logic states Gonzaga. Okay, so your Final Four, if you had to be perfect, you're going with LSU, Tennessee, North Carolina, Gonzaga. Yeah. I like it. Two one seeds is... Typically, what we yeah. can expect. Who are you taking as your national champion? Who do you believe is going to be the best, the national champion of our 2019 edition? I think we get a Gonzaga North Carolina rematch. You think so? And who are you taking? I think Gonzaga all? gets there first. I uh, that's if I am putting money on it right now, that's the boat I'm going in. Uh, this Gonzaga team is another level of good. It's the St. Mary's game is going to scare people off. I think it's going to be. Uh, a good thing for this Gonzaga team to face a little bit of adversity to kind of get that chip on their shoulder again for, uh, you know, for, for, to use his motivation. I really like this Gonzaga team. I think that's who I'm going with as my national champion too. I just, it's, you said it, they are a complete team through and through. Um, and I do want to find real quick. I want to go over the, uh, I want to find the Vegas odds on, on uh, okay. who the the future national champions? Well, you get those pulled up. I just want to go with a couple of deeper upsets that I'm not saying will happen, but are matchups that I think will be very close. So go I'm going to go only 13 on. I'm not going to the five twelves or yeah. We we, we, we did a rundown on all the five twelves earlier. Yeah, so that's perfect. So just going from the 13s. I know I just said that LSU is in my final four. Without well Will Wade, this team is a potential mess. You have a very solid Yale team against them. Ivy League schools, man. Yeah, we've seen it before, and that that would not surprise me in the slightest. 
Um, Florida State, I think, is very good and dangerous because they they have a lot of length, athleticism, and that that can bother teams in the tournament. However, that's a a damn good Vermont team they're playing, mm-hmm. and the Duncan brothers. They have three brothers on there. Which who doesn't want to root for three brothers on the same team? Let's be real. <laughs> um, they don't have a lot of size, but they they can shoot, they can score. Um, I think that game will be close. I, I like Vermont there in that that matchup. Mm-hmm. And then what, throw and us throw us one more of the of the. Yeah, Kansas is bad. Kansas is bad. Um, I, I talked about K- this. Kansas earlier. was the number one team in the country, and they lost their two best players. That hurts. But, um, Azubuki and. And the Gerald Vick are elite players. Right, they're going to be they're going to be NBA guys. They are not on this Kansas Jayhawk team. That is a problem for this Kansas Jayhawk team. Um, I, I, I like said, I like Northeastern a lot. I said it earlier. I don't know a whole lot about this Northeastern team. They lost to Virginia Tech by thirty, Syracuse by thirty. They lost to Vermont by five. They had a big win over. Yeah, I just Alabama. told you that's a good Vermont team. It's a good Vermont team, uh, but. This Kansas team, I literally trust so little. I'm not taking Kansas to the Sweet 16. I don't know if Auburn or New Mexico State will win, but whoever wins that Auburn-New Mexico State game, I'm taking to the Sweet 16. That's my mindset. I think both these teams are better than Kansas, as it stands right now. I got the the Vegas odds. Gonzaga is still the the second favorite. You can get 5-1 to one odds on Gonzaga. Duke, of course, is the favorite. Uh, but I did – last thing we'll talk about real quick. There is one team – that is way higher above their ranking than any other team at that same ranking. Iowa State at at forty five to one has much higher odds than any other six seed in this tournament. I like this Iowa State team a lot. I think part of the logic behind that is they get Ohio State in the first round, who I don't think I don't think Ohio State's good. I don't think Ohio State has much of a chance. I, I could be wrong. Eleven seeds typically beat six seeds, and I'll, I might eat my words here, but I think Iowa State's going to beat Ohio State, and I like Houston. I do. I have money on Houston. I on on money on Houston going how far? Oh, I have money on Houston to win the title. Oh, okay. Well, Houston, I don't think they high odds. High odds, but I like Houston as a team. I want them to do well for the sake of everyone's doubting them, and I want them to do well, kind of like I am with Virginia. Sure. Like, everyone hates them. I want them to do well. I think if Iowa State and Houston play each other, I think I'm taking Iowa State to the Sweet 16 in that game. I like this Iowa State team a lot. I think they're super underrated. And they beat a really bad Kansas team by 20 to win the Big 12 tournament game. So any last thoughts on tournament? Anything people need to hear? Yeah, yeah I have a bit of gambling advice. Um, South Regional, hammer the under. Eight of the 11 slowest-paced teams in the tournament in the South. Not only that, but eight of the 30th, 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 can't talk 30th 30 slowest teams in the country in the south regional yeah there's a lot of slow teams it's going to be really bad just avoid the south virginia wisconsin oregon kansas state st mary's yeah a lot of all teams that play cincinnati a lot of slogs in there it's iowa which i'm not going to lie i've only watched one iowa basketball game this year but if it's anything like their football team hammer hammer the under um yeah hammer the under in the south that's my gambling advice last thing i want to say Ernie Duncan, Everett Duncan, Robin Duncan, the Vermont Catamounts. And then Remember the Catamounts. The How can you not love the Catamounts? The Duncan brothers. Uh, good luck for everyone on their brackets. I wish you the best. Hopefully you follow the tips that we've taught you in this video. So if you're in a pool that's going to win you a lot of money, you're going to win it all. Because guess what? I'll tell you this right now. 
If you're just taking all four one seeds to the final four, you're not going to win your bracket pool. Also, listen to the things you heard in this podcast. What did I say? I said video. My bad. Guys, it's been a long day. Uh, actually, I guess we'll finish up with this. The women's basketball bracket got leaked three hours early by ESPN, and the athletic department here at Boise State was in a total shit show. Everyone was scrambling and running around trying to figure what, out what was What going seed on. are we? Uh, Boise State is a 13 seed. They are playing in Corvallis, so they will against Oregon State. Uh, I will not be attending. Uh, they mm. play on the Saturday. They have the Saturday Monday matchup. Uh, the winner will get the winner of Arkansas Little Rock and Gonzaga. So, um, as an unbiased podcast, go Broncos. Uh, hope you all have a great week. Best of luck on your brackets. Be smart. Don't put too much money on your bracket pools. But if you follow our tips, put as much money as you want on them, and you're going to win. Have a great week, and uh, love you all. Thank you.